Amen. You can say, you never know what God's going to do. That senior year of high school, God gave me the weird and strange idea to play soccer. I guess I can't criticize soccer too much. I went out, joined the soccer team, and I guess that's why God wanted me to do it. Because <laughs> Mato and his brother, Babam Kubwa, as I like to call him, <laughs> got saved. So God was moving. You never know. Maybe the crazy ideas, maybe it might be something that God gave you, or maybe it's a crazy idea and God can still use it. Hey, go for it and see what God will do for you. Amen. Or do for his own kingdom through you. Let's open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 4, verse 16. Matthew 4, 16. It is a tremendous privilege to preach the gospel anywhere and everywhere, whether it's one person, whether it's by yourself in your car, at least you're listening, or whether it's any number of people beyond that. It is always a privilege because when you're speaking the gospel, it at least means you've been changed by it. So it's always something to be incredibly grateful for. Matthew chapter 4, verse 16 is my main text this morning. You know, the idea for this sermon is truly more than an idea. It's a goal, it's an expectation as uh, Pastor Steve Wiktorski preached the other day. An expectation that by the ministry of the Holy Ghost, that all of us would be able to walk out of here this morning, this afternoon by the time I'm done, with more dignity than when we arrived. That we would have dignity as sons and daughters of God because of our elder brother, Jesus, our personal Savior, as Cole ministered last night, our King. And every time we come to church, we need to challenge ourselves not to have an unbelieving mindset, not to have a cynical mindset. I battle that a lot, a natural cynic. No, I'm going to believe God today. God can do something good. God can do something powerful in me, because whether I realize I need it or not, God needs to help me. We need to trust God to do better than you and I even expect. And as I consider my assignment this morning, I'm going to preach it like I feel it. Can I preach it this morning? Can I preach it this morning? I'm going to try to. I've had many different sermons cycling through my mind and spirit since before Pastor Pinnock asked me to preach this, you know, one day I'm going to preach, and what's it going to be? And just praying and just trusting that the Holy Ghost was able to get through my thick head at times and say, yes, this is the appropriate message for this time. Matthew chapter 4, verse 16, a message that I have entitled, Dignity. The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region of the shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. Dignity. Several years ago, I started the habit as I began listening to podcasts and down onto that road. There was one man in particular that I started listening to in the very beginning. His name is John Gordon. He's a Christian, a, a positive speaker and motivation and all of this stuff. 
But I began listening to his podcast, and they were very good, the people that he would interview. But then one day he began to speak about this idea called your one word. And he encouraged people at the beginning of the year, don't just get a new gym membership. Don't just try to make these New Year's resolutions, and there's 16 different things. He said he began to simplify in his own life. He said, I just chose one word, and that's going to be my word for the entire year just to think about. And I thought, that's a good idea. I'll start doing that. And so I started that in 2020. My word was commitments. 2020 word, 2021, my word was innovate. 2022, it was converge. And 2023, that word is dignity. God actually spoke this to me in July of 2022. But even finished with the year, and I'm like, dang, you're already that far ahead? I was trying to figure out Monday. But it happened as I was in prayer one morning. It was July 23rd, to be exact. God spoke it to me. And I was just in prayer and praying for our church, praying for our city, praying for the neighborhood that our church was in. We had moved into a building. It was this literally a million-dollar facility. Some of y'all came, smart TVs like that. I had that kitchen, everything. It was It was amazing. And I was praying one morning and just thinking about the neighborhood that we were in. It was in the middle of the hood. People would find out, where's your church? You're in the middle of a wolf pack. They would literally tell me that. Well, best place to be, where they need Jesus. We never got shot, never got robbed. We were fine. God was good. But just thinking about the people and how they would treat this place. They would trash it. They would rip things off. They would break things and throw it all kinds. You'd show up on Sunday morning, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, what were they doing here? have to rearrange outside and sweep it off and blow it off and clean it up. And just began to realize that people don't treat, if they realize how valuable this could be to their lives, how much it could enrich them, they would treat it differently. They would take advantage of it. We began to realize people treat things in certain ways because that's how they view themselves. They weren't treating this amazing facility and others with dignity because that's how they saw themselves talking to each other in terrible ways, treating each other, lying, fighting, all of that. And realize they're doing this because that's how they view themselves. They don't treat others with dignity because they don't have dignity themselves. And that became my prayer, God, give these people dignity. Restore dignity to them through the church. And God, I pray that you would be able to use my life and my words to confer dignity to others by my speech, conduct, overall treatment of them. You don't just treat people with dignity. You serve them in such a way that you give it to them. That when they walk away, they have more dignity than when the conversation started. They literally walk away with more in their possession. Are you and I giving and affirming the dignity of other people's lives? God has created each life with his glory and dignity. Do we provoke that when we speak with them? Or are we only trying to provoke negative emotions and reactions in others? Are we trying to provoke their less desirable characteristics And those flaws in their character and personality when we talk with them. Or are we trying to provoke the dignity that God created them with? Not talking about an earthly, 
arrogant, self-centered dignity, but a holy and meek dignity, a dignity from God in whose image and likeness they are made. It's almost as if dignity was money. And when you walk up with someone, you're giving them that money so they walk away more wealthy. They walk away more rich. It's like a currency you deposit into their accounts. Because dignity like kindness and joy and love, the truth is when you share it with other people, you discover that you haven't lost any of your own. When you are able to give what you have to others, like the Bible says, he who waters will himself be watered. When you are treating others with dignity, respect, and kindness, when you walk away, you realize you haven't lost any. As a matter of fact, you've increased your own. That in that transaction, somehow you create more. I know a man, he was showing me a picture one day of one of his ancestors, and he began to tell me the story. He said, this is my whatever grandfather, and he was a slave. And he was freed through the Civil War. And he began to tell me that the next day after he was free, or as soon as possible, the man went and he bought a suit and began to wear that suit everywhere he went. People would see him. Why are you wearing that suit? You were just a slave yesterday. You're acting like you're a doctor or a lawyer, like you're somebody now. And his answer was, I'm not a slave anymore. You've known me by these rags and how I've been treated as like property and an animal for all these years. But that's not me. But the truth is, the suit didn't make the man. The suit did not give him dignity. This man, even as a slave, possessed a dignity that other people didn't recognize. Finally, when his nation and society were able to at least give him legal status, then he could walk around in the dignity and others would at least on paper recognize that. But this man had dignity far before society ever said, now you, you have it. Yeah, he could have walked around if it was nowadays in a hoodie and some sweats, but he said, no, I have dignity. Not saying clothing is everything. Clothing doesn't give you dignity. This man said, I'm wearing it so that you can recognize the dignity that I know God has given me. Like that song that we sing, or it's at least a Christian song we know of, I'm no longer a slave to sin. I am a child of God. Dignity. The Bible has several times it mentions this. Genesis chapter 49, verse 3. Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might and the first fruits of my strength. Preeminent in dignity. Preeminent in power. Proverbs chapter 31. Proverbs chapter 31, verse 25, it says, Strength and dignity are her clothing. She laughs at time to come. Proverbs 31, the Proverbs 31 woman, it's all we've read about it all the time. What does it say? Strength and dignity are her clothing, not shameful. What are you wearing today? Whatever the latest fashions and brands are, I'm wearing dignity and strength today. I remember speaking with the director, the housing director in Gainesville, and she was telling me of how they would try to help young men and women just prepare to be professional. And she was coaching this one young lady one time and just trying to get her to be able to communicate effectively. 
And she said, tell me who you are. Who are you? What is your identity? And this girl, bright, intelligent, began to just unleash all of these expletives. I'm a blankety blank, blank, blank. And she was proud of it. And it's like, last time I checked, all of those words are insults. But you're claiming them as if it's a badge of honor. Like, you write them up. Now, you say that to people trying to hurt them, but now you're claiming it for yourself. That can happen to us in life. We get treated in such humiliating ways. We talk to ourselves and say those same things. That it can become our identity that we're proud of. We we can walk around clothed in shame, behaving in undignified ways, acting as if it's a good thing. God says, no, let strength and dignity be your clothing. 1 Timothy 3 verse 4, it says he must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. Dignity in every area of life, even how you raise your children, keeping them them under submission with dignity. Titus 2, 7, show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. And in your teaching, show integrity, dignity. Other words for dignity are venerable, honorable, respectable, class, professionalism. Dignity. Let's consider looking dignified this morning. Looking dignified. Recently, I know he's been in the news a lot. Maybe you follow or not, but primetime Deion Sanders. Played football, baseball, very famous. He was on TV as a football analyst. Now he's a head coach. And it was several months back, I just kind of saw something about him, and I enjoyed him as a player growing up, and just began to listen to him speak and Began to discover many things about him that I didn't have any idea about. He's now called Coach Prime. Very flashy. Still, he is very conspicuous and self-promoting. But the truth is people often do misread him. But he has this saying. He says, when you look good, you feel good. When you feel good, you play good. And when you play good, the pay is good. That was his motto through when he got all his flashy stuff. Why you do that? He said, well, when you look good, you feel good. When you feel good, you play good, and that's how you get paid. As he speaks about this, he begins to communicate the reason. He says, life is better. I perform better when I'm self-respecting first. How can I expect you to respect me if I don't respect myself first? If I don't have a high standard for myself How can I expect anybody to treat me any differently? Life is better when I am self-respecting, when I am confident, when I am dignified. The Bible speaks like this as well in that same vein of thinking of when you look good, you feel good. But we're not about golden change with crosses and getting tattoos and Hebrew words on our arms as if we even know what that means. Not about the superficial stuff or having a shirt and tie and all of this stuff. That's fine. But the Bible goes much deeper. For you and I to have dignity, Romans chapter 13, verse 14. It says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision 
for the flesh to gratify its desires. Put on the Lord Jesus. Song, there was a rap song long ago, put on for your city, east side, west side. We don't put on for a city. We put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 24, it says, put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Why are you acting like that? Who do you think you are walking around like you're somebody? I'm putting on the new man. I'm not a slave anymore. That's not who I am. I'm not going to behave like that. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to respond like that. I'm not going to let you treat me like that. Why? Because I'm not a slave. Who do you think you are? But I've put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put on the new self created. Who does the creating? Not you, not me. God himself. And all you and I have to do is put it on. Created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Colossians chapter 3 verse 10. Put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Put on, put on, put on, God says. Why? Because when you look good, you feel good. When you feel good, you live good. When you live good, it's all good. Because God is good. I remember the old lyrics that Steve Victoria, is he here today or is he preaching somewhere? But some of y'all don't know, Steve actually used to rap and dance and act in the concerts. Now he just does it all when he's preaching. But he used to do it in the concerts. He would rap, dance, they would have the strobe light going, and he would just be going to town. Now as a little eight-year-old kid, we'd be bobbing our heads until we got whiplash, having fun there. But he used to rap, he used to dance, and there's an old song they used to sing. And the chorus was, look into my eyes, tell me what do you see? Look into my eyes, it's the blood of J.C. It's not about me, it's about the dignity that God has given me. Not about who I say I am, it's who God says I am. When you look at me, what do you see? When we look at ourselves, what do we see? Deion Sanders, when you look good, we don't feel like we look good. The question is, who are you looking at? We were just singing this morning, look unto Jesus. Look at him when I come into your presence. I look at you. The Bible says that the word of God is a mirror. We look in the mirror. We don't like what we see often. We try to cover it up and put on makeup and wash our hair and put these different clothes on because we don't really like what we see. Well, we look in the Word of God, and often we just see all of our flaws. You're looking at it wrong. The Bible says when you look into the Word of God, it's the perfect law of liberty. Who are you supposed to see when you look into the Word of God? It's a mirror. You see Christ. And you're looking at Christ, and you're realizing, that's me. God says, put on the Lord Jesus. You look in the mirror, you're like, that's not me. God says, yes, it is. Put this on in the morning. Spray this on, iron it, put it on, but it's far more than something superficial, more than swag. Instead of stunting like your daddy, stunt like him, but it's real. It's not fake. Put this on every day. Your new man created in righteousness and holiness, dignity. Dignity of the divine. 
The dignity of deity is yours. It was his to give. It's yours to receive. All you got to do is take it and decide every morning to put it on. Yeah, it might not fit perfectly. It might feel awkward. Get used to it. Get used to walking in that dignity. Another Deion Sanders quote. No, this isn't the gospel according to Deion. Don't think that I'm going to be like that. But it does have some good quotes. He says, don't allow my confidence to trigger your insecurity. Just because I'm walking around confident, don't get mad that you don't have this confidence. Don't allow other people's insecurity in their sin or wherever they are in their maturity to affect you. Walk around in the confidence that God has given you. This is my life and my Christ, my identity and my dignity. I'm going to live this. Tell that to Satan. Tell it to your flesh. Don't allow my confidence in Christ to trigger my carnal insecurities. Oh, I can't pray. I can't sing. I can't worship God. I can't witness. I can't be excited. Look at me. God says, no, look at me. And when you're looking at me, I'll begin to reflect back onto you. Dignity is yours. David's dignity. When he went to fight against Goliath, Saul tried to give him the king's dignity. Didn't fit. It was too clunky, too big, and God didn't give it to him. David walked onto the battlefield. Goliath looks at him and sees and laughs. Who do you think you are? What are you doing? <laughs> Goes back to insulting the dignity of the army, the warriors. David said, who are you? I'm here in the confidence of God. And I know who I am. I've been anointed by God. When you look good, you feel good. When you feel good, you fight good. And Goliath, you're about to get it real good. Took him down. Dignity. It's yours to receive. The New Colossus, it's a poem that is, part of it is inscribed on the Statue of Liberty up in New York. It was written in 1883 by Emma Lazarus. I'm going to read it to you. Not like the brazen giant of Greek fame, with conquering limbs astride from land to land. Here at our sea-washed sunset gates shall stand a mighty woman with a torch whose flame is the imprisoned lightning, and her name, mother of exiles. From her beacon hand glows worldwide welcome, her mild eyes command the air-bridged harbor. That twin cities frame. Keep ancient lands your storied pomp, cries she. With silent lips, give me your tired, your poor. Your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. Send these, the homeless, tempest-tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. And I'm not trying to get political but simply recognizing the obvious and historical, exceptional reality to the history of our nation, that while other nations were trying to get rid of these kinds of people, there was a nation that said, we have a home for them. That, that was a gift to this nation. They didn't just come in Congress, we need to commission how great we are. Somebody else said, dang, that's impressive. Can you hear the gospel in that this morning? Can you hear God crying out for your own life? What you've been through and people try to reject you. 
You are not welcome here. You are not worthy here. God says, come unto me and I will give you rest. This world has stripped you of your dignity. The words they have spoken, humiliating beyond our comprehension. God stands there with his torch held high. Come unto me when I am lifted up. And I will draw all men unto me. I will restore dignity. I have it in my hand. It is mine to give. Don't let them tell you who you are and who you are not. My words are the only ones that matter in eternity. Who have you been listening to? Why do you allow them to speak to you in this way? Why do you talk to yourself in such a manner? That is not what I say to you. I don't reject you. This is the gospel. Come unto me. I will give you rest. I will restore dignity. God has that for you. Dignified by design. Creation, Genesis chapter 1. God said, the Bible says, the earth was without form and void. Darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. God spoke this over darkness. Nothing but a hot mess is all the world was. Nothing happening. No hope, no joy, no expectation, but the Bible says the Spirit of God was hovering over what everybody else says, nothing. Nobody saw it, nobody knew it. It was worthless. But the Word of God produced dignity. The Word of God produces change. The Word of God produces definition and identity. What is he speaking over you this morning? What is he speaking? Just like that song we sang this morning, you are awesome in this place. Not just the great places where we can hold up the trophies. I won, I won. God is so awesome. There was nothing but blackness, a mess. God spoke. What is he speaking in this place, that place of your life? How will you respond? Will you respond in such a way that allows God to produce identity, dignity, form, life? At one time in history, this place was nothing. Right here, God spoke those words over this plot of land that was nothing at one point. God said, let there be. What is that in your life he's speaking over? Where there is no dignity, where you feel like trash. God says, uh-huh. I'm speaking over that. He ain't just showing up to celebrate with you on a parade because you're back-to-back -back national champions. You lost every game your whole life, at least in that area. God says, that's what I've in this place, I'm going to be awesome. We don't gather together to have a Christian book club to just share how beautiful the, liter the, the literature is of the Bible. 
we gather together to declare the good news of Jesus Christ and his resurrection so that each one of us can experience the kingdom of God when we respond in faith and obedience. Is that what you want this morning? You can have it. How many times did Jesus' interaction with people clothe them with dignity? When the world is stripping them with, of their honor, the world is just showing up to take what they can get and then running off, leaving us, feeling like we lost something. Jesus would show up. He says, I came to give you something. How many times in the Bible, the blind, the sick, the lame, the demon-possessed, the whores and the whoremongers, those who had lost all of their dignity. They had done things that they never thought they would do. Done things they said, I will never do it. Now they're doing it. And even worse, things they never even considered that they would be reduced to. Living such a life. With such a reputation, I never could have even imagined that I would be here. If people only knew, no control, responding to the base nature inside of them, living bound by their sinful nature, fulfilling unnatural and confusing impulses. But then one day, Jesus shows up and says, I'm here to give you dignity. Let's consider my last point, from untouchable to touched. From untouchable to touched. The nation of India, I think it's two billion people now, it's huge. But there is a certain class of people, they're called the untouchables. The Dalits, I believe is the term for them. Millions of people. I've seen estimates up to 200 million of them. That's like the majority of the United States would be considered untouchable. And in their caste system, it's not, there's no like upward mobility and you can go from rags to riches. It's rags to rags to rags to rags to rags for 4,000 years. Millions of these people treated as less than human. Treated like animals. Worse than the cow. Untouchable. But we read the Bible about the first who were truly untouchable. Adam and Eve were those first untouchables who had been stripped of their dignity. When they sinned, what happened? They were instantly clothed with shame. They ran and tried to get some leaves and cover up because they realized what they had done and they were clothed with shame. What did they do? They ran and they hid from God. I'm, I am untouchable. God wants nothing to do with me. When he finds me, he's either going to kill me, reject me, or I don't know what's going to happen. Label themselves as untouchable. Why? Because sin robs you of your dignity. Many times we can live like that, still living in the shame of only God and us know what. Maybe it's what you've done to yourself. Maybe what someone else did to you. And it sets you on a path of rejection, shame undignified living, degrading behavior, humiliating experiences and emotions. But I ask you this morning, what has God done? Right there, this place, what has God done? We know when Jesus was being led to be crucified, what did the soldiers do? 
They took a robe and they put it on them, a purple robe. And they came up to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews, mocking him, saying, You're a king, here's your, here's your king's honor. And then stripped it off of him. Robbing the king of kings of his dignity. And then at the cross, they took his clothes and they gambled for him, stealing his dignity. At the cross, they left him basically naked and exposed, stealing his dignity. At the cross, he was beaten and bloodied, crucified, and absolutely treated with no dignity. They dehumanized this man at the cross, stripping him of every ounce of dignity he ever had. A humiliation beyond our capacity to even realize why did that happen? Didn't God just want to highlight how cruel Roman punishment was? How terrible these people were? Look how horrible they were. Or was God saying, this is how ugly your sin is. Look at it. Look at it. Is that God's point? No. That was a redeeming act. In this place, the lowest of the low that you've ever been, your own decision or other people pushing you into that, God says, I've been there. I'm here to redeem what happened. Where was God in those times? Where is God right now? As you go through hell, as you feel like you've been really close to it, he is right there crucified between two thieves. Crucified between who you are and who you can be. His redeeming act right in the middle. Can you respond to that this morning? Do you hear him speaking that to your life? Because he didn't stay there. He is resurrected. He came back to life. He came back and didn't go back to those guards and say, give me those purple robes. Although that would have been pretty cool if he did that. He says, I don't need those. I have a dignity and an honor that isn't man-made. I've got a dignity and an honor this earth could never give me. He came back dressed in the righteousness of God. That dignity of deity is yours. It is his to give, and it's ours to receive. The Bible says, put on the Lord Jesus. Why do we need to put it on? Because without it, we're undignified. Without it, we're broken. Without it, we're lost. Without it, we're struggling, trying to figure out how in the world we can live successfully in God's eyes. God says, you don't got to worry about that. I've handled it. You're clean. You're washed. And here's a suit. You're not a slave anymore. Don't act like it. Hold your head high as a son or a daughter of Christ. Put on the new man created in righteousness and holiness. He is greater than the humiliation of your sin that you committed or suffered. He is greater than the shame and the disappointments. Greater than the pain, the curse, and the hopelessness. Jesus says, your pain is not untouchable. I've more than touched it. See my hands, Thomas. Put your hand and realize we're one in that suffering. But as you touch and you experience the intimacy, intimacy of that shared trauma or pain with God at the altar is where it happens during the preaching and at the altar. Is when you experience this with me, you also receive my resurrection life. 
That wasn't the end of the story. I picked this up. And I began writing this. Close with this. It's a lyrics I wrote years ago. It says, what things do you carry? What scars mark you? What threatens you in the dark and haunts you? As you look into the night sky for salvation, only to have the blackness deepen the lacerations. You try to get away, but the smoke still surrounds you. Try to find your way, but it still threatens to drown you in your own tears, choked by your own fears. You can't escape to your dreams because they collapsed that year. It's like you're cursed to perpetual frustration. You don't know if you should cry out to God or pull the trigger after you first cursed Satan. This is the story of a nation, of every generation since curse, since sin cursed creation. One decision and years of consequences, chained to our shame. It's like we never learned our lesson. Sin is a heavy load. Want to take off that load? Then double cross sin. And go the way the cross goes. Life is full of disappointment and sorrow. Yesterday suffocates your hope for tomorrow. And today you can't escape. It just reminds you of then. Of when your dreams came crashing down again. It's like a never-ending struggle. It's like you build it just to see it crumble. But at the cross, Jesus was broken for your brokenness. And raised again to save you from your hopelessness. Dignity. Bow our heads this morning. Close our eyes. Dignity. The dignity of God. It's his to give. Yours to receive. Who do you think you are? Let me go look in the mirror real quick. I am the righteousness of Christ. I'm a new man. New woman created in the image of God. You are awesome in this place, Lord. Dignity is God's gift to us. Dignity clothes us. Dignity, hand crafted by the Holy Spirit himself to fit you in every way that you need it to. The world looks and they want to give you their dignity and that's fine to make their efforts but don't strive and try to work for theirs because as quick as they give it, they can take it. But God says, I've given and I don't take back. It's yours. Has your name on it. That song we sing, right? The blood of Jesus, it rewrites our history. It speaks a better word. There's another song. It says, what can wash away the guilty stain after all the wrong I've done? I've tried a thousand ways, but it's never been enough. What could be enough? Nothing but the blood. A better word was spoken. Oh, I know it was nothing but the blood. Every curse was broken. I know it was nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood. And when I'm reminded of my shame, to the fountain I will run. Every failure covered now in grace. For the Lamb has overcome. What can overcome? 
nothing but the blood. A better word was spoken. I know it was nothing but the blood. Every curse was broken. On that cross, I left my shame where the nails were. Jesus Christ, O Lamb of God, be lifted higher forever. On that cross, I left my shame where the nails were. Jesus Christ, O Lamb of God, be lifted higher forever. Would you like to experience that this morning? It's a gift. Would you be willing to respond to what God himself would speak over your life? Satan makes his accusations. We look at ourselves. People say things. What is God saying? Dignity. Not humiliation. Not criticism. A better word is what he speaks. Perhaps that's you this morning. You say, I have not experienced that. I'm bound in my shame and in my sin. And I'm afraid to meet God face to face. It's a safe place when you meet him. This morning, if you would like to receive his forgiveness and his love and his dignity, lift up your hand and we'll have someone pray with you. To walk with you into that place, lift up your hand. Maybe there was one time you made that decision. You were walking in the dignity and the honor of God, but you get, began to look away and look back, and for whatever reason you left, and now you're just clothed with shame. Double shame it feels like. God says, I'll give you double dignity for all your sorrow. If you would like to rededicate your life to Jesus, lift up your hand this morning. Maybe the first time and maybe to rededicate, God says, I've got nothing but love and dignity for you. I have more than enough to heal and to restore. Anyone at all, lift up your hand. We're going to take some time this morning to pray. I encourage you to listen for what God is speaking in that place and to say the same thing. Respond to that and allow God to bring what only he can bring by the Holy Spirit at this altar this morning. Let's go ahead and open these altars, invite you to come down, do business with God and allow God to heal, allow God to work, allow God to redefine your life this morning. These altars are open, do business with God this morning, hallelujah.